welcome to No More Shame, the podcast dedicated to breaking the shame narrative and healing the wounds of shame that hold us back. In each episode, Dr. Megan Clunan will be exploring the tools of psychology and the truths of Christian theology to help you live free from shame and in the reality of your true identity. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, so it's been really awesome to be able to connect with some of you that are listening to this podcast. I love hearing from you. I love hearing about what you're thinking. I love hearing about what um, this podcast is meaning for you and truly, really, ultimately, above all, love hearing the freedom that some of you are are discovering, some for the first time, some being reminded of because of the things that we are talking about on this podcast. So I am glad each and every one of you are here and I am so grateful to be a part of this journey with you. Um, That being said, some of the stuff that I'm hearing, some of the stuff that I'm getting feedback from or I'm hearing from individuals that they're saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I do see shame in my life. And when I see it in my life, this is how it speaks to me. These are the things it says. It gives me kind of these like one liners and it says this or it says that about who I am or about my relationships or about my life or about what I'm doing or whatever. And so what I'm going to do over the next four weeks actually is to take some of those one liners that I've heard from you guys that I've experienced myself as well. And we're just going to unpack them. We're going to unpack shame's one liners. What is the story they're trying to tell us? And then we're going to talk about, you know what, let's rewrite that story. We don't have to be stuck in that story. That's not actually our story. And so that's where we're going to start. And we're going to start there today. So one of the first ones that I want to bring your attention to is this component of, or this, this line of don't waste your life. This, this pressure to make sure you're not wasting your life. And maybe I hear this more so because I'm kind of in the college realm with students and in youth ministry and student ministry with students and so on and so forth. And so they're having those conversations and they're asking themselves, you know, what, what should I do with my life? What should I do with this stage and age and the decisions I make right now? I mean, they're going to, they're going to direct the rest of my life. And I just, I really don't want to miss out. I don't want to waste my life. FOMO, that's a thing, the fear of missing out, right? And so that's like a more uh, trendy way of saying, don't waste it, don't miss out, don't waste your life. Um, and so again, maybe I'm hearing it more because those are kind of the the voices that are around me and the work that I do and the ministry that I do and, and the people that we invite into our homes and so on and so forth. But honestly, I don't know. I'm not a college student, okay? Not gonna tell you how old I am, <laughs> but I'm not a college student anymore. And I still have this thought sometimes. This is actually a thought that pretty much has haunted me my whole life. And it is indeed a shame one liner. It's shame language as well. And we've talked about that in the past and what that means and what that does. And so check those podcasts out. But um, let's just unpack this one because as much as maybe it is a generational question, I don't know that it ever ends. And in my world, one of the things that I work with are, are individuals that are struggling through midlife crises. And what's a midlife crisis? It's basically looking back on your life at wherever you are about midway through and thinking, I've wasted my life. Thinking, I need to do something that says I'm alive because I don't think I've lived this life. And so that can look a million different ways. But still, the, the underlying issue here is don't waste your life, right? And really what it's saying is, it sounds, I mean, to be honest, it doesn't really sound that negative. It sounds like, you know, it's a good motivator. And yeah, just have that mentality. We don't want to waste our life. We don't waste our time. We don't want to waste our energy. We want to make sure we live live in life to the fullest and experiencing all we can experience and making the best decisions at all times and so on and so forth. The problem with it though, my friends, is that it 
at its deeper level, if we kind of drill down into what is it really saying, it's saying, one, you define what is waste, right? Because a lot of times if it's you don't waste your life, be sure you don't do this, it's really contingent on you, number one. And so that means you've got to define it or let something else define it. Um, Typically, it's culture, it's world, it's family all around us that are defining that for us. And then you've got to prove your worth. Typically as well, which is very common of shame's one-liners, is when it gives us this one-liner, it's a very vague goal. And what I mean by vague is it's not like it's you've hit the goal by having attained ABC, right? You you know you've met it. So in counseling, when I'm working with clients, one of the things I do with them, we create this thing called a treatment plan. Um, actually, don't really like calling it a treatment plan. It sounds a little too intense. Um, and so typically what I call it is a game plan because this is how we're going to play the game of life well, right? And so we call it a game plan. And in that game plan, we create basically what we call these goals so that I know as your counselor, we've reached this goal so that we know counseling has been for you what you wanted it to be. The problem a lot of times when clients first come into counseling is they give me a goal, but it's really vague. It's really a big, broad goal. And I'm glad because that gives us a lot to work with, but it doesn't give me something specific and measurable to know that I've actually attained it. And so we want our goals to be specific and measurable in counseling. But I would say that's true in all of life, in business or in education or in parenting or um, even in like a workout regimen. Like what is your specific and measurable goal? We want to know because then we know we've reached it or we know we're this close to it or we're this far to it uh, from it or, hey, I surpassed it and this is where I am now. And it's great. It gives us a kind of the the plumb line, the, the line that says, yes, you did or no, you didn't. The problem with shame too often when it gives us our one-liners, which we'll be talking about more over the next few weeks, is that it leaves the goal really vague. It's kind of like the carrot on the stick that you can never actually reach because you don't know what it takes to reach it. It's never enough. And so it's never clear enough. And so other ones can be just be better. We've talked about that before or um, just do more or whatever. The don't waste your life thing, that's kind of in the same bucket. This is a big red flag. If you're having these vague goals in life that are not specific and 100% contingent on you, then it's probably shame. And we'll unpack that now, okay? So why one is 100% contingent on you, we'll we'll talk about that in a second, but also it's really kind of saying you've got to prove your worth, And then you've got to do it again and again and again and again. The problem with the mentality of trying to prove our worth, though, especially when it is vague so that I don't really know if I've actually done that, is that I end up running harder and harder and harder and for a longer period of time than I actually need to be because I don't, again, it's that carrot on the stick. I'm chasing this thing that I can see, but I know I'll never reach it. I'm never going to be able to get there. Now, to be fair, you know, this will prove your worth, don't waste your life. What I'm not saying in this conversation is that we we don't need to involve ourselves in, in our 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 lives, right? I need to be a participant. I, I believe that the Christian faith, specifically, let's go there first. I think it is a it is a crucially participatory faith. It is not just, oh yes, let us pray and then the Lord will provide. <laughs> you know, um, one of my favorite pastors often talks along the lines of he, one of the things he often says is, um, you know, we're praying for all these things to come to pass in our world. 
when God is often saying, I know I want those things to come to pass too. That is why I've given the world you and you the world at this time and place in history. Are we willing to be the answer to the prayers that we're praying, right? So we just have to be willing to step into that space. So this is a participatory faith, but it's not all on me. And it's definitely not removed from my relationship with God. And so we do need to involve ourselves. There's no question. We need Our lives need us to show up. But how we do that so that we don't burn out is the important thing. Because again, shame will say it is 100% on you all by yourself. Make sure this happens. And then you're like, hey, what happens? And then it's just like, we just don't waste it. Cool. Who's defining that? What's defining that? If my shame is telling me you're going to waste your life if you don't, guys, typically we know that it's also shame. Let's unpack it a little bit more so we can really make sure this is it. We know because when we're doing that running harder and harder and harder and for longer periods of time and just chasing something that seems so existential and unable to attain, typically it's going to cause us to sacrifice healthy relationships. Guys, your families will start to suffer. Your marriages will start to suffer. You'll start cutting out church and the fellowship of believers really isn't that important because I got to use this time to get more work done. Or this is my only day to actually get rest because I'm not resting and building that into the rest of my life. Um, And so you're going to start seeing some of that community and relationships beginning to suffer. The ones that are healthy, the ones that we really should be pouring into. It's something that also causes us to get our value from something other than Jesus. And so if I could just make more money, then I'll know that I've done what is worthwhile. If I can just work harder and get the right title or get the education that gives me another leg up in whatever, right? Like, um, or have these relationships that it's not about what you know, it's who you know. And so I'm in the right circles and just working so excessively hard to be in those spaces and places. It's interesting though, the the one-liner when it's kind of in this this larger bubble of pain and struggle, this bubble of shame, it actually leads us to the very thing we're afraid of. So the very thing that it's telling us do not do actually ends up happening. Don't waste your life ends up happening because it sucks us dry and we have nothing left to give. We don't have anything left for our relationships. We're not showing up and being refilled and giving and pouring into the local church either. The community doesn't even know we exist anymore. We're gone from it, right? Money, work, relationships, education, it's just never going to be enough. And it sucks us dry and we keep running and we keep trying. When the one-liner takes root, don't waste your life. And why do we do this? Okay, I think there's two two reasons we do this. I think culture is a big proponent of this, to be fair. Um, I think it teaches us that more, more, more is the American way or is the um, healthy human way or is the whatever, capitalism at its finest, right? Like, And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to want to achieve. It's not a bad thing to want to be competitive. It's not a bad thing to want to be excellent in your field. I'm with you. I am there, right? It's not a bad thing to want to provide for your family or want to um, shine wherever you're planted. Like we, we love, that's so great. And that's good. But when it becomes the ultimate, and then also when it becomes something we can't actually define that, yes, that has indeed been attained and there always has to be more. That's a problem. 
This is a problem. We're not made to live life running, right? It will get us to run. And, and running is good. I like to run. I'm a runner. I think I've shared that before. Um, I just actually uh, ran earlier this morning. I love it. It's so awesome. I'm actually kind of dreading winter here in the Chicago area because I'm not going to be able to run as much. And that's the biggest bummer, to be honest. Um, but that being said, I love it, but I'm not going to spend my life running. I don't run around to my kitchen and then to my kid's school and then to work and then to church and then to, um, you know, the grocery store. I'm not running everywhere I go. First of all, that would look completely insane. Um, but second of all, my body can't handle it. I'm not meant to live life in a run. Like that can't be the defining mode of transportation for me. Okay. And so similarly, it's good to achieve and, and grow and excel and shine and, and, and so on and so forth. But when it is the only thing, that's a problem. We're not meant to live in that kind of run. And culture will tell you you can. I think the, you know, busy badge that people like to wear, right? They're like, how, how's it been? How's it going? And they're like, I don't know, real busy. And they kind of look at you to just be like, see how cool I am? I'm super busy. <laughs> we like to do that, right? Like I saw a meme the other day and it was just kind of like making fun of um, like work hours or whatever. And the meme essentially, it was the statement that was like, you know, people... People don't look at you weird if you stay an hour after work hours in, but they definitely do if you come in an hour late every day, you know, <laughs> and it's true. It's just it's just kind of the culture we live in. It's almost expected. Yes, we're going to go further and longer and and um, and with more pressure uh, than maybe we should be. And so culture doesn't really perpetuate um, uh, a healthy lifestyle. It perpetuates the, hey, don't waste your life. Nobody else is because look how busy. Although I will say, I heard the other day someone say that busy is the new dumb. <laughs> and to be fair, I don't like being dumb. Okay, so let's not uh, let's not live in that space. But, but it is because, I mean, busy for what, right? Like what are we doing in this space in life? That, again, doesn't mean we don't show up. But if busy is how we're defining every day, every moment, hmm, are you really living life? Not really. You're actually doing the very thing you're trying not to do. You're wasting it. Another thing is that, uh, and what I've seen, and I've heard this uh, much from from college students, um, but I've also seen it in you know older adults as well. But it's just you know my family. I, I see my family, and I just don't want to live the life they've lived. I don't want to live the life that I've seen them live. Maybe, and. Um, Maybe it's because they financially struggled their whole life. Maybe it's because they, um, you know, I've heard this as well, you know, they've professed the name of Jesus, but it's not really been something that they've lived in the freedom of. And I just don't want to do that. And so, you know, it's, it's this other kind of mentality that says, I don't, I don't, it's not that I see the culture and I want that. It's actually something I've seen something that I don't want. And so that's actually what's pushing me. I would challenge whether it's something we've seen, whether it's our family or our past, our own stories and our own experiences were like that moved us to, okay, I can't waste my life, or it's the culture around us. Either one of those are really, they're fear-based reasons. Either one of those are still rooted in fear that I'm going to waste my life. And that's what shame does. It tries to get us to live a life of fear. And in that space, it actually has power, has greater power. And so how do we come back from this? Because none of us live exempt from living in these cultural waters and none of us live um, with the perfect families, mine included. And so how do we come back from this? Uh, truly, I'm a, it, it begins with getting back to our origin. 
Like we have to begin. I'm going to begin with Genesis. Okay. That's really where this begins. It gets back to our origin, which really is identity language. Again, many of the struggles that I see in the counseling room, many of the struggles that I, I just mentor and disciple individuals through, it really comes back down to identity. And the very first place we have to start with this kind of conversation is our origin. We are first and foremost created in the image of God to live in relationship with him. And we get to do this through Jesus. God has made a way. We have to take that way, but the way is there. What might this look like tangibly? Okay, so after Genesis, and by Genesis, I mean Genesis 1, right? So like check out that chapter if you've not ever read it. It's a very, very important part of our story. <laughs> um, but Genesis 1, 26 and 27 specifically and in the, that, those verses, um, it talks about uh, you know, God, the Godhead is there. And he said, let's make mankind in our image. And it goes on and, and kind of gives some of the, the duties of what humanity will have. And then it says, and then he did. In his image, we were made. Male and female, he made us. It's 127. And so that's our beginning. So, okay, great. Good to know that. This is our origin. This is our, this is our beginning identity. What might this look like tangibly? How do I live this out? Okay. So one, there's three, three key ways to begin to kind of break down and rewrite the one liner of don't waste your life. Right. One, I want you to create a priority list. What are the things in your life that are the most important? And this was something that I had to do personally at one point in my life. I had to get to the place I was like, this can't be what life is supposed to be. Jesus has said that his burden is easy, right? Or his is light and his, his yoke is, is easy. And this is not where I am at. And that is not to say that the Christian life is easy because he also clearly says <laughs> in the Gospels as well, you know, the son of man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Do you really want to follow me? Right. Do you really want to consider that cost? But where I was, I mean, it was straight burning out. And there, there, there had to be something different. And I've seen this again in the lives of so many others as well. So we need to get do something as basic as creating a priority list. One thing, I used to work for um, uh, a different institution. And one thing that in, an individual that was my superior used to say, he would always say, you know, everything might be a priority, but everything cannot be priority A. And what he meant by that is that we often fall into the belief um, and overestimate the value of all things. And at some point, we've got to make priorities A, B, C, and D, right? Like there's there's a hierarchy to this process. But when we put everything at the same level, it will exhaust us trying to run around and handle all the things all the time. So what is that in your life? What are your priorities? And I want you to think, like think relationships, think faith, think um, physical health, think rest, think um, development and advancement, think career, think education. Like all of that needs to be there because sure, everything might be a priority, but everything can't be priority A. And so what are your priorities? Do you have that hierarchy? Too often the things we put on our list as most important, what we see And what I've had multiple conversations with others about is we have our list then, and then I'll go through the list and I'll say, okay, so, so the most important things on your list, are they getting most of your time? Because too often that's actually not the case. The things that we would say, man, these are my most important things. My relationship with God, um, my relationship with my spouse, the way that I parent, 
getting good rest and being able to take care of my physical body, um, enjoying life and having some downtime or enjoying uh, giving back to the community or investing in my local church or, you know, you name it, whatever the things are. And then I'll ask, okay, so, so how much time out of the week would you say you give these? We're not seeing as much. We're seeing 80 to 90% of the time given to things that are on the priority list at like number five, six, and seven. Something's not right there. In uh, counseling psychology, one of the tools that we use is this tool of reality therapy. And it sounds really interesting, I'm sure, to some. Um, But what reality therapy basically is, is the idea that... um, I want to work with you so that your ideal self, like who you who you want to be, who you wish you could be, that ideal self can align as closely with your real lived out self. Okay, so we all have a vision, I would presume, of, of who we want to be when we grow up, okay? <laughs> if I was a better version of me, this is what that would look like. Um, and so reality therapy says, yeah, that's true, we do, but we also have our real lived self that clearly, you know, there's imperfections and we're not perfect and we're never going to be perfect. And so, you know, we're never going to be exactly ideal and that's okay. But what we don't want is a massive gap between the two. We want those as close together as possible. Is your ideal self also the self you're actually living? Are you satisfied with who you are? Because when that gap is bigger than the propensity for depression and anxiety, frustration, easily annoyed, um, attitudes, things like that, like that is so much greater. The bigger the gap, the greater those chances are of expressing those more negative emotions and negative feelings. And so we want to bring those two together. One of the ways we do that is we need to make a cognitive consciously thought out list of priorities, write this down and then ask yourself, am I giving the time to these priorities in the order that they are on my list? It's really basic, but it takes some time and it's worth it because maybe some of this angst that we're feeling and some of the, the ease at believing shame's one liner that you better not waste your life in part is because we are doing that by not actually living the life that we've been called to live. Okay. Another thing, if your priority list doesn't begin with God, then I'm going to be real. You guys, we've got to shift that. God has got to be our number one. It's literally the first commandment. Okay. So Exodus 20, it says this, I'm going to read it briefly. Exodus 20 verse one says, then God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. First commandment. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 23. Okay. Matthew 22, uh, 36 actually goes on. Uh, Jesus, when he's asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? The very first thing he says to the one asking, he says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. So this is the first commandment. So God needs to be our number one priority. Notice what he says, too, before he gives the number one priority, okay, the number one commandment. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Shame is slavery, my friends. It will keep us trapped. It will stunt our life. It will steal from us the life we have been created to live, which is not slavery, but freedom. It begins with prioritizing, make your list, and God is right there at the top. Love the Lord your God. And then number two is what I'd ask you to do with that list is share your list with trusted friends and family or family. 
depending on where you are in life, you may not be right next door to family. I understand that. Friends or family, trusted friends or family. You guys, we can't do this alone. Honestly, it's pathological, meaning it's crazy, um, to think that we can live a rightly ordered life all by ourselves. That's just irrational. We're not made to do this life by ourselves. Um, Going back to Genesis, where I talk about a second ago, uh, 126 and 27, where he talks about being made in the image of God. He literally says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over and so on and so forth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. It's this us language in the beginning, though. So we were created out of relationship. The Godhead, we know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were created out of relationship for relationship. If we are made in the image of God, who is already in perfect relationship, part of that image entails relationship, okay? And so we're created for it. Additionally, if you want to go back to Matthew 22 as well, where Jesus reiterated the most important commandment, right? He says, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he goes on. He actually doesn't stop there either. He also points to relationship. And he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. So share your list with trusted friends or family that can talk with you, encourage you, hold you accountable. Okay. And then number three, to wrap this up, we want to get rid of the quote, that doesn't work for me language. And so I know some of you are listening right now and some of you are like, you know what, that's cool, but that doesn't really work for me. Okay, I hear you. I know you're busy. I know you wear that badge, you know, okay. (laughs) I know that's happening, Um, but I'm gonna be real. We have got to get to the place that that doesn't work for me language doesn't work for you. Because we have this one life. You have been given this one life by our creator God. He has intended you and purposed you. You are not an accident. Your origin is image bearer. And if you are in Christ Jesus, it is now royalty. It is son of God, daughter of God. There is work to be done that is really good work and work that isn't work that wears you out to the point that you can't even feel your face (laughs) necessarily, but work that reminds you that you're a part of a family, reminds you that you've been called and created for a purpose. That doesn't work for me. There's no time to waste. It's not just about getting priorities right. It's about getting your life right. That's what this is. What's going to help here? I would say Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite verses because for the longest time, I too believed, hey, I got to make sure I'm the one that doesn't waste my life. But also, I just keep hearing this narrative over and over and over again from people. But my friends, Ephesians 2.10 reminds us, for we are God's workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. You cannot waste your life when it is in Christ. You cannot do it. It is impossible. Hear me, you don't have to run yourself ragged to ensure your life isn't wasted. There is work to be done, no question, but it's been prepared beforehand. We don't have to try to figure it out. We listen to God's voice. He loves you. He is for you. He has purposes and plans for your life that, again, he has prepared beforehand. Before you even knew he existed, he has prepared them for you. He has thought of you and brought you to this time and place in history and prepared this work for you. Shame will tell you that it's up to you, but it's not. It lies. So let's rewrite the narrative. It's not don't waste your life. 
Your new one-liner is actually, I can't waste my life, not when it's in God's hands. Thank you for joining us this week. Our prayer is that through this week's topic, you have been encouraged in the truth and discovered tools for further freedom in your true identity, one created for and loved by God, one where shame has no say. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the No More Shame podcast so you don't miss next week's topic. You can also follow us on Instagram at no more shame underscore podcast for encouragement and reminders throughout the week. Join us every Monday for new episodes that will empower and equip you to live in the freedom of your true identity.